Someone tell me what is uh, what was what was the description of, of this breakout? That was the title, Kingdom Family. What was the description? Thanks for trying. There was a description. <laughs> there was. Oh, I just saw your face. Yes. Uh, we are people who fight for family. It's like one thing to having that be successful. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, so uh, there's one big thing I want to talk about that um, that if we will act on this, if we will live in this, not just act on it, but live in it, if we'll make this a lifestyle type of thing, then it will, one, it will help us be a part of family, but it will also help us contribute to family. One thing, we'll do both. Uh, what do you think I mean by contribute to family? Promote unity, yeah, good. Uh, when I say contribute to family, I mean like actually bring people into the family. Right, so yes. So uh, freshman year, you get into to Chi Alpha or maybe just your first uh, semester involved, you get in, you've, you've experienced family, people are loving you and you're like, you shouldn't, I don't know what's going on, why you love me like this, it's crazy. Uh, and you're like, this family is, is, is weird. Uh, this family is weird, right? What's going on here? Uh, but this is awesome somehow, uh, right? Uh, I remember I was like, this is the, I, when I first got involved in Kyle, I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my life. But somehow, I have to have it. You know? Uh, it's another thing to contribute to family, to actually see that this is a beautiful thing and say, I can't just hog this to myself. Everybody needs to know about this, right? That is just called bleeding. And so uh, Jesus didn't just come to make disciples. He came to make disciple makers, right? And so uh, his, his intention was never to just have followers. His intention was to have followers who would have followers, who would have followers, who would make disciples, who would make disciples, right? And so we are not invited to just be a part of family and have the benefits and have the nice things and be loved and have people listen to us and help us with our stuff. We are called to contribute to family as well. Share what has been shared with you. And so there's one thing I want to talk about uh, here during this time that uh, uh, will help us do both of those things. So uh, let me go ahead and pray. Then I'll introduce myself just for a sec, and then we're going to get into it. All right. Thank you, Jesus, for all these beautiful people. And thank you that we get to be here, be together. Thank you for uh, Salt, all the people that have made this happen. Uh, it's just such a privilege to get to do all this stuff together. And uh, thank, thank you for changing my life, Jesus. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for what you're speaking to us right now. And, and God, I pray that... Uh, you would just empower us to be a people who fight for family. We have an enemy that is fighting against us, and, and it requires a real fight to, to, to have family, to be a part of family, to add to family. God, will you help us to be family people and be people who fight for it? Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, uh, real quick, this is uh, my family. That's my wife, Bailey, the uh, one on the right. Uh, little thing in the middle, he's 
that's my son. His name is Lauren. Uh, his name is Lauren Scott Fancher. Uh, my name is Thomas Scott Fancher. And uh, uh, the name Scott it has a, a powerful meaning. Anybody know the name, meaning of the name Scott? Uh, have you, any, anybody else? Raise your hand if you've got kids. Praise the Lord. Raise your hand if you'd like to have kids one day. Raise your hand if you are a kid or ever have been. <laughs> so, I don't know. If, uh, when we were naming, give, or picking out a name, we were like, you know, we had a few ideas and we looked up online, like, uh, what, what are the meanings of some of these names? I don't want to just give them a name that sounds cool, but has a stupid meaning. And, uh, and we looked up the name Scott, which is actually a family name. My dad's middle name is Scott. My wife's dad's middle name is Scott. My sister married a guy whose last name is Scott, so now she's Sarah Scott. And uh, so we got like all these cool Scots, and I was like, let's just keep running. And But you look online, everywhere you look, there's only one meaning. You'll only find one thing, and it means someone from Scotland. <laughs> so Bailey and I said, we actually would love to name him Scott. We don't love the meaning. We love Scots. We love Scottish people. Nothing gets you from Scotland. But uh, uh, but we said, let's just come up with our own meaning. And Scott now means someone who loves to have fun. And uh, all the Scots in our family, they love to have fun, and they're crazy people. And so we were like, dude, that's appropriate. And Lauren, oh my gosh, dude is the wildest kid I've ever met. Uh, he doesn't sit still. We didn't realize that was not normal until like uh, some of the others on our staff, they have a little girl. And she'll sit in our staff meeting, she'll sit on my knee for like 30 minutes and just sit there. And I was like, something's wrong with y'all's kids. She doesn't, she doesn't move. They're supposed to move like all the time. And they're like, no, uh, something's wrong with your kids. I'm like, oh, no. oh, okay, great. Uh, uh, yeah, this is uh, this my other kid. That's Angus on the left and Lauren again on the right. Uh, but they get along pretty good, pretty well. Uh, Lauren still, after like a hundred times, loves to grab Angus's tail. Uh, Angus doesn't like that, so he runs away. Usually Lauren's still holding on to the tail. <laughs> and so he bumps his head and chips his teeth and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, he chipped the tooth, which is one of his teeth. Uh, so he chipped the tooth uh, over Christmas break. It was awesome. And, uh, and I got one more picture. This is... Uh, this is my small group. Uh, I'm at Tennessee Tech, and uh, for the last four years, I've uh, I've been leading a small group with uh, the baseball team there, and uh, and this is my family too. These are some of my guys. Uh, I love these guys to death. It's been an incredible uh, miracle to watch God do stuff with the baseball team at Tech. Um, yeah, there's some of my family. I got some of my family in the room today, too, I think. Yeah, everybody raise your hand. No, no, everybody. Everybody raise your hand. Yeah, that's you! Ah! Let's go. Yeah, some of my team is in the room, though. And, uh, uh, and I, uh, I had to make a decision a few years ago with our staff. I said, I, was, I, I have like some of my closest, closest buddies that I was like, man, I just wish I could have that type of relationship with, with everybody, and especially my staff. And uh, the Lord was like, well, what are you waiting for? I was like, oh. And, and I just felt challenged to just treat them exactly how I treat my closest, closest people. 
And so uh, I was like, hey guys, I'm gonna do this, and I don't know if it's gonna scare you or not, but I like they just listen to me, they love me. I don't feel like they're always like your director boss Tom, like they actually let me be Tom and listen to me, and they pray for me, and they love me, and uh, they are absolutely more than staff, more than just a team. They're my fam, and I love them. Uh, so, uh, just a little bit more real quick. I was a freshman at the University of Central Arkansas. Uh, that's when I came to know Jesus, and uh, I, uh, I got invited, or not invited, I got told to go to a small group and by a bigger guy, on my, I played soccer at UCA, and one of my older teammates. I, you might think I look small. You might think I was probably the smallest guy on my team. Uh, I'm actually way bigger than I look, and so it's uh, so not true, but, uh, but, but on the bus, our first away game, uh, one of the guys on my team is a uh, big dude, big black dude with long dreads, like just freaking jacked, like I just, I was like, Freshman, 18, I'm t I was tiny. And I'm like, this dude, he grabs my shoulder and he says, Tom, he says, why don't you come to D group? I said, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure what D group is, you know, but if you don't kill me, I'll be there. And he said, just come. And I went that next, that next uh, small group time, and, uh, and Jesus opened my eyes. The Holy Spirit opened my eyes to see just such the, the vast difference between knowing Jesus and knowing about Jesus. And I heard some of these guys in there talk about Jesus, and I could tell it was way different than what I had experienced. I'd grown up in church, but I was bored with Jesus, bored with all of it. I had no interest in any of it. And these guys, like, they just seemed real, realer than anything I had, like, that, anything else they had going on. And there was just something, it just caught me, and I was like, I've experienced loads of awesome stuff in my life. I'm happy. I'm enjoying college. This just somehow seems better than everything else I'm experiencing right now. Let me try it. And they gave me a Bible that night. And I started reading some of the stories about Jesus. I kept going to that small group. And at the end of that semester, I remember laying in bed. And I was just thinking by myself, man, do I really want to do this God thing? Like, is, do I want to become one of the people that I used to make fun of in high school? I was like, do I really want to do this? Because those people were weird. And uh, now I'm like, do I want to be one? And uh, I just was in my bed. I was like, yes, I'm in. And uh, uh, and it was really, it was that night. I just said, Jesus, I, I, want, it. I want as much as I can get. And today, uh, and really it started a couple of years ago for me, kind of right after COVID. COVID man, COVID was such an actually an incredible time for me. God radically changed my life over that kind of first year that followed COVID. And, uh, uh, and something that kind of started to come out of my heart during that time was this, 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 just a statement that is, I want to be more intimate with Jesus than anyone in history has ever been. And I want everyone that I get to lead in the future to be more intimate with Jesus than I ever will be. And, uh, and God has like just slowly, over the last three years, challenged me with, do you actually believe that's possible? And I was like, the, the more, I'm, more and more I go, the more I realize, I don't actually believe it's possible. I just recognize that it sounds cool. It sounds nice, it sounds right. 
but the more he's challenged me and said, do you think it's actually possible to be more intimate with me than anyone in history? The more I'm realizing he's inviting me to believe it because it's actually possible. And nobody in the room would say to me, if I, if I tell you I would like to be more intimate with my wife than anyone else in history, no one in the room would be like, yeah, that's probably good, appropriate, good. Uh, I think we should have the same desire toward Jesus. I think he has the same desire towards us. He wants to be as intimate and as close with us as possible. And so he's inviting me and challenging me to actually like walk into that with him and follow him into that. And uh, it's been crazy and it's been awesome and I'm, I'm figuring it out. Uh, so I've been at Tennessee Tech for the last seven years and uh, it's been a wild ride and I love it. Tennessee Tech is awesome. Raise your hand if you're, if you're, if you're some of my people. Let's go, y'all in here. Yes. There we go. Awesome. Y'all ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start by telling you guys a story. And, and uh, just a side note, if you guys ever get to like speak or teach or preach, they always tell you, don't tell people you're going to tell the story, just tell the story. <laughs> and I always forget that. So, <laughs> so uh, my, it took me five years to graduate. My fourth year... So I'd been in class for four years. I was like kind of macho, like upperclassman, leader. I'd been making disciples. You know, I brought other people in. You know, I was a pretty big deal, stuff, you know. And uh, I had long hair at the time. Everybody thought I was legit. My hair was like down to here. I was like, I brought to the soccer style. So everybody knew I was a big deal. And they rightly so. Uh, but I remember. Fourth year, I was at the back of the auditorium at a Kyle worship service. Uh, that night, I was like on the back, back row. Uh, at the time, there was like 500 students involved, or like going to the worship services. And we, uh, so there's, I'm in a huge auditorium full of people. And I'm just worshiping. I'm like just worshiping my heart out. You know, I'm like full in. I'm focused on the Lord. And then I had this, I had this memory, just seemingly out of nowhere, pop into my head. Not a good memory. Not just like a bad memory, but it, an incredibly shameful memory, really humiliating, embarrassing memory that uh, did not warn in my head. And I said, I was like, I just stopped. I was like, I was like, no. In the name of Jesus, I was like, get out of my head. I said, like, I'm trying to worship. I'm not trying to be distracted by anything. And I was like, all spiritual and stuff. And it was pretty sweet. Until the Holy Spirit spoke back to me and said, until you confess that to somebody, the devil's going to pry on that over and over and over again. And I said, no. <laughs> no. Nobody needs, nobody needs to know about that. And uh, exactly what he told me happened. Because I went a whole another month, maybe a month and a half or so, of not telling anybody. Not talking to uh, some of my guys, not talking to some of the guys that were discipling me, not being being transparent or open or, or, or being honest about what what that that memory, that thing from my past. And the next Monday night at the worship service, the exact same thing happened again. Memory popped into my head as I'm worshiping, and I was like, 
like, I, I, I can't tell nobody. Like, like just the shame that I felt was like just heavy. There's not, I didn't, I didn't want to tell anybody. You guys understand. And it started to become a daily thing. Whereas in class, or I'd be like maybe reading my Bible, or as in my small group, or maybe I was just like hanging out, or maybe I was working out or doing something, and the memory would like just it was coming back into my head constantly. And and every single time that I had it in my head, I felt nothing but shame, nothing but fear of if I actually tell somebody like like what it's gonna happen, you know? And, uh, and so that went on for like five weeks or so. <clears throat> and it really was like just torture. And, uh, and really, up till, still up to that day, I was like set. I was like, no one needs to know this. I'm not telling anybody. And uh, at the time, the Chi Alpha there, they had a, uh, like this small <coughs> house, office thing, whatever. And uh, I was hanging out in there. I was eating my lunch at the table. And uh, another guy, one of the older guys came in came in and he was sitting there just kind of hanging out talking and uh and the room kind of cleared and it was just me and him and and he said he said uh he said tom i i shared something with a couple of the other guys this week that has like been awesome for me and uh, would you would it be cool if i shared with you i was like sure there was a guy that i was friends with not like super close with never been in a small group with them or nothing like that but was an older guy that I, I looked up to. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And we go for a walk, we just go outside and walk around the block. And he begins to tell me that uh, just, uh, just a good chunk of his story that uh, when he was in uh, elementary school, that he was molested by an uncle. Which led into uh, the next 10 years or so of his life, just lots and lots of confusion, like, what is normal? What should I expect from a, a, an uncle or from a man or from an, uh, an older, an adult or something? Like, you know, just in middle school, like, wrestling with what's normal? What, what should I expect? Like, uh, and, uh, and he said he got into to junior high, got into high school, and he was, like, actually, like, afraid to, to hang out with guys. And so he naturally, he like just hung out with girls a lot more often. And and guys, other guys in school started to pick on him. They'd be like, bro, right? like, why are you always with girls? Like, why don't you ever hang out with the guys? Like, are you gay or something? Like, what's, what's up? And he was, he was like, no, I just, I don't know, they're just my friends. And he, he's telling me the story and he's like, he said that started to happen a ton. Not just like for a few days, but like year after year after year. And he said, by my junior year, is I had the first, I remember, he said, I remember it, and I had a thought that was, well, you know what, maybe, am I gay? Everybody else seems to think I am. Maybe I am, and I just didn't realize it, or something. And, and then he, uh, he said that he, uh, there was another guy in, high, in his school who approached him one day, and was like, hey, I don't know what you think about this, but I'm gay, and... I've heard that maybe you are too. Would you maybe want to hang out? And he was like, he tried. He was like, yeah, sure. I, I'm, I'm maybe new to this, but I'm, uh, yeah. And uh, and so he he tells me he's like he says for the last two years of high school, like he ended up hooking up with several guys, doing sexual things, and and be and really beginning to participate in like a homosexual lifestyle. And 
he says, so then I got to college, and my freshman year I got connected with Chi Alpha, and God radically changed this guy's life his freshman, his first semester of college. And, and he's telling me, he said, God changed my life, and I met Mac and Cody, and they were discipling me, and like, just, it was an incredible time. But they had no idea what my past had been. And he's, he's, he's telling me this story. He says, and so for the last five years, no one in Kyle has actually known my past because no one from my high school came to school here. And he said, uh, I have lived with constant fear that these guys will find out, these guys that I love and cherish, and that they will not want to be around me anymore because they think I'm gross or whatever. And he said, something just hit me, and I just, I had to tell them. <coughs> he said, I, I met Mac and Cody, his previous small group leaders, and he, he told them everything that he had told me. And he said, I, I don't know what you guys think about all that, but like, just had to get it off my chest. And he said, and they just looked me right in the eye, and they just said, I love you, dude. Like, nothing's different. Just like really plainly and simply, like, no, nah, we love you, dude, and it doesn't change anything. Thank you for, thanks for just being honest with us. And he naturally was expecting something different. He was expecting, you're gross, like you're weird, you're, you're a freak. What, I don't know what he was expecting completely, but he was not expecting, dude, you're awesome, we love you. And it, he said, I felt this crazy weight come off of my shoulders that I had no idea was there. And he said, and the freedom I'm experiencing is unlike anything I've ever experienced. He said, and the, I've told a couple other guys since then, and every time I've told somebody else, I have felt more and more free. And he's like, and so I saw you there eating your lunch, and I was like, this freedom's awesome. Maybe I'll try talking to Tom too. And so he's like, so yeah, I just wanted to share with you. And I'm like, that's great. Because in the back of my head, I'm like, <laughs> thinking about the memory from the past, past five weeks that I've had that the Holy Spirit told me, you need to tell somebody about this. And I'm like, this guy just opened up his whole life to me, and what am I supposed to do? I'm not gonna, I'm like, I can't, I can't tell this guy. You know, and, but I'm, I'm like, I said, okay, Nick, I gotta tell you something, too. I said, I, said, I hate you right now, by the way. <laughs> a lot. And, uh, and so I told him, we had to tell him, the memory had been continuously popping up in my head, full of shame and, uh, and, and that was really, that was torturing me. And what had happened was when I was, uh, I think I was in seventh grade, when I was exposed to pornography for the first time. And one of my friends had just shown me this website, and instantly I was like, I was hooked. And, and honestly, that's actually not even the, the shameful thing. The, the shameful thing is that when I was like 14, 15, 16, I would look at pornography, and I would masturbate, and when I would masturbate, I would let my dog lick me. That's the memory that would continue to come in my head for five weeks. Maybe now you understand why I felt like, like no, nah, nobody needs to know about this, right? Nobody needs to know this. And maybe now you also understand a little bit more of like, just the torture that I was feeling. And 
what was happening was I was feeling an, a shame and, and, a, and an identity come over me that was, you are this awesome, cool student leader with your nice hair and everything. Like, it was nicer than Joey's. My hair was way nicer than Joey's, just being real. And, and I had this identity. I'm like, I'm, I'm Tom, I'm a cool guy, whatever. But now I'm like, well, I'm actually not that cool, dude. I'm actually kind of weird, and I did stupid crap, you know? And, and so I'm wrestling with like, these two identities, one that I like, one that I don't like, and neither of them were actually good. And, uh, but I told Nick that story, and I felt that freedom that he described instantly. Some of y'all have experienced it too. Some of y'all have experienced pieces of it or bits of it. There's even more. And I felt a real weight come off of my shoulders. I felt it fall off of me that I had no idea it was there. So I was like incredibly thankful and I started to understand like why the Holy Spirit told me to, to tell somebody. And, uh, and it wasn't because he wanted to embarrass me, it's because he loved me. He wanted to set me free. And so I'm like, I did it. I told somebody, praise God, okay, go on with my life. Legit, like two days later, I was meeting up with one of the guys in my small group, and uh, we're just talking about normal stuff. And just in the back of my head, I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, tell him. I was like, tell him, tell him what? <laughs> tell him, what do you mean, tell him, tell him, can you be specific to this? And the thing was, like, it was incredibly specific. I knew exactly what he was saying when he, the Holy Spirit said, tell him. And I didn't want to tell him. I was like, I already told Nick. And I was like, Dude, I told Nick like two days ago. Do you remember that? You were there, right? And what, what I started to realize was I actually wasn't completely free from the shame of it because I was gripped by the fear of, well, what is this guy going to think? Yeah. Right? And I did it. I told him. I said, all right. I was like, stop talking. I've got to tell you something. This is stupid. I said, bro, I, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me I've got to tell you this story. And I told him everything. Everything that I just told you. And I said, I don't really know why I felt like I needed to tell you that, but just, just want to let you in on my, on my life a little bit more. And he looks at me and he says, you think that's bad? I was like, he said, he said, man, I've, I've never told anybody this before. He said, when I was, when I was little, uh, a guy in my neighborhood took me and another kid in his backyard and put us and went into his shed, make us take, made us take off our clothes and touch each other. I never told anybody about that. I was like, Snap. and I just said, man, I, thank you for telling me that. They don't freaking love you, man. And he just starts bawling his face off, you know. <laughs> A couple days later, 
I was meeting up again with another guy in my small group. And uh, we're talking, and the Holy Spirit was like, hey, tell him. I'm starting to catch a pattern. I think I'm going to tell the whole world. And, uh, but I was a little bit quicker to, to act on it this time because I think I was starting to catch on. Like, maybe this is about more than just me. And, and so I told this guy the same thing. I was like, listen, listen to this. And it was almost the exact same reaction that was, man, I, well, let me tell you something. And told me that when he was younger, that he would like, I think when he was like 11 or 12, that he was around his younger cousins and would like, would would want to like kind of touch them or like just like hold them like tight to his body, like uh, like in a like in a stimulating kind of way. And and he he never did anything uh, beyond that, but he was like, but I just have always since then felt like just child molester, you know, and, and and I've never told anybody that. And I just said, dude, I freaking love you, man. <laughs> I freaking love you. And uh, and I just started to see, man, I was like, the uh, people are just gripped with shame and, and fear. And it's, it's a waste of time. The freedom that Jesus has for us is, is so much sweeter, dude, and so much more awesome. And I just freaking hate shame so much. Uh, I've, I've just come to, like, I'll do whatever I gotta do to, to help, hopefully, love people into freedom. And I'll have guys in my small group now that they'll be like, I like try to challenge them to be honest and transparent with each other in, in our small group time and stuff. And, you're like, hey, you got anything that you need to get off your chest tonight? Sometimes guys will be like, yeah, I did. I did something. I did something. Can you guys pray for me? And the other guys are like, yeah, man, we can pray for you. I'm like, shut up. I was like, no. I do this with my guys because I'm close to them. I, all right, they know me. All right? Not like everybody. I was like, no, I don't know. I was like, hey, we're sit down. I'm not praying. Dude. I, was like, I was like, dude, like what happened? Like, dude, tell us what happened. Because... There's a, there's a sh the shame will hold on so tight. You can tell 99% of your story, but if you hold on to that 1% that you're still afraid, like, man, if they know that 1%, though, like, that might change things, then you're still controlled by 100% of that 1%. <laughs> yeah. You know? I'm telling you, the freedom is, is worth whatever shame. I don't know how to say that. It's just worth it. Shame, another way to, to describe shame is, is a fear of being known. Shame is pride. Did you realize that? Pride is, uh, my, it's all about me. How do I look? How do I, how's my appearance? Shame is, what's my appearance? Don't let nobody know about this because I gotta protect my appearance or my image. It's pride. Shame is pride. And shame is a paralysis. It's a prison. It's a prison that robs us of life. It robs us of joy. It robs us of everything good. 
And so, again, what is, what is shame? Shame is a fear of being known. How do you conquer a fear of being known? You be known. You let yourself be known. One of the best things about Chi Alpha is the, the friendships and the relationships, getting to grow closer with people, getting to know other people. But there's a huge difference between getting to know people and being known by people. So listen to me with this. We, we must learn to live a transparent lifestyle. Doesn't mean everybody has to know everything. But some people need to know everything. Not for them, for you. I had a guy, another guy in my D group one, uh, one year that uh, I could tell he had some stuff, but he was just like too afraid to share it. And I just kind of graciously tried to like just be patient with him and let him share what he wanted to share. But eventually it got to a point where I was like, this guy's actually dying. I need to do something about this. And, uh, and I, I, I just told him, I was like, <laughs> In front of the group, I said, hey, bro, I want you to be, be real with us today. Just be open with us. Because he had told us, like, I've got things I can't talk about. He said that, at least, and I said, the things that you've told us you don't want to talk about, can today be the day? And he was like, you he, he could tell it was just eight of them. And he said, he said, man, I know this sounds really arrogant, but, like, I... I don't, I, I don't, I'm not ready to give y'all the privilege of knowing me. And I said, you're right, that does sound really arrogant. <laughs> I said, the privilege is actually in being known. The privilege is for you to be known by us, actually. This isn't about you letting us, you know, into our life and like, oh yes, we're all cool now because we get to know you. No, the privilege is being known. The privilege is being known by Jesus. It's way cooler, really. It's way cooler to say, Jesus knows me, than to say, I know Jesus. We must learn to live a transparent lifestyle, and we must, hear me? We must learn to show others what a transparent lifestyle is. This is the one big thing that helps us to be a part of family more fully and contribute to family. One thing accomplishes both. The more you let yourself be known, the more you will fully be a part of family. And the more that you let yourself be known, the more people will say to you, bro, you think that's bad? I gotta tell you something too. And as they let themselves be known, they will be a part of family more. Do you see what I'm saying? Contributing to family is not knowing other people. 
but it's being known by people. Showing others how to do the same. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you might be healed. Not so that you might be forgiven. I hear that all the time. Man, I just, I, 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 tell, I tell those things to God. I pray about it and I, I confess things to Him. He, and he's, like, he, he's forgiven me. I'm like, you're right. This is about healing, though. Yeah. James says, confessions, pray for each other that you might be healed. Forgiveness is, <laughs> we're desperate for that. We are incredibly in need of that. But we also need to be healed. First John chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. Uh, I'll read this, and then I got, I got one more passage to put on the screen, but just listen to this one. John says, he says, This is the message we have heard from Jesus, and we declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Uh, hey, D3, you can get ready. He says, If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, you hear that? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. He gives this picture. He says, live in the light, not in the darkness. And then he follows it with a matching statement that is, confess your sins, don't hide your sins. It's a great place to hide stuff. It's in the darkness. It's not his fault. I don't know what's going on. I think the lights are up. Like there's a sensor. Sorry, uh, I did want him to turn the light off, but I didn't want him to turn it on and off and on and off. That's not his fault. See, it's the motion sensor. This is just terrible. Uh, there we go. If there's a place that's easy to hide stuff, would you say it's easier to hide stuff in the light or in the darkness? Yes. darkness really easily. I could be standing, uh, if there was no light in the room, I could be standing right in front of you and you, you wouldn't know I was there. How many of us are maybe standing right in front of our deep group leader with a nice smile, our small group leader, our, our campus pastor, our friends? Life's good. I'm, I'm happy. Jesus is good. I love you. I'm making disciples. Standing right in front of them, but actually you can't be seen. To live in the darkness is, is not to live, actually. Let's look at the uh, let's look at the first time that Adam and Eve sinned, and then let's see how God responded to them. This is Genesis chapter three. 
verses 6 through 10, and also verse 21. So it says, uh, so Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the servant, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from that the tree that, that's in the middle of the garden, and, and you must not touch it or you will die. That's what he told us. You, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat, up, eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And then in 21, it says that God made garments of skin from animals for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Adam and Eve, what was their response after they had sinned? But they ran and hid. They hid in the darkness, right? What do we see God do? This is the first time where lightning comes out of the sky. Boom! You guys are dead. I hate you. You sinned, you're out. Right? You struck them down. Vengeance, right? Justice was served. Right? What does it say? He called them out. He came searching for them. Where are you? It's not that God didn't know where they were, but there is a reality that we can hide from Him. I have so many times guys come into my small group, and I've heard through the grapevine that they're they've been they've started dating this girl that I think they've never told me about. I'm like. So I know that they're dating this girl now. But it's not the same as them telling me and letting me know, you know? That's how I want to know. That's how God wants to know. You can say all day, God knows everything about me, but I believe He wants to be known. He wants to know you. He wants you to let yourself know. And He says, where are you? With an invitation to come out of hiding. He says, Hiding is not where you belong. The darkness is not where you belong. You belong with me. Come on. So stop hiding from me. Side note. What was uh, so what was the first sin? First sin ever? What was? What they did? Eating the fruit. Ate the fruit. Wrong. Sorry. I, someone was gonna say it. You're doing great. The first sin was actually not that they ate the fruit. Not even that they wanted to be like God. If you go back and read uh, just a little bit earlier than this, it says that 
man was created in the image of God and in the likeness of God. Adam and Eve were already like God. They weren't God, but they were already made in his likeness and in his image. And so when the serpent said, don't you know that you will be like God? He was trying to trick them into believing that they weren't already like God. The first sin was that they believed a lie. That's why the greatest way to def uh, the greatest defense against sin is actually not more discipline. A, a screen protection thing on your laptop so you don't look at porn. It's not like just like a, a, a note, like write a Bible verse on your hand every day that says don't gossip. The best defense against sin is knowing your identity. Know who you are, and you won't believe the lies that lead you into sinful behavior. You are made in the image and likeness of God. And when we gave our lives to Jesus, we received his righteousness. And now we are righteous. That's great news. As a side note, they were already like God. And Jesus has made a way for us to be like God again through our oneness with Him. We must let ourselves be known. We must not run and hide. We must live in the light. We must live a lifestyle of transparency and confession and being known. I made a decision when I got married about six years ago that I was going to tell my wife every single time that I had a sexual dream. I don't know if everybody has, has sexual dreams, if that's just some people, I don't know. My first, uh, like through college, I had lots of sexual dreams. Uh, even my first like couple years of marriage had, it was like every few weeks. Like, some, like sometimes like really graphic stuff really distracting, annoying things. And I, I realized early on that if I didn't confess those things, they weren't, it wasn't like sinful. I didn't like commit a sin, like I just had a dream. So I wasn't confessing a sin, but I was realizing that there was something if I hid it. If I hid it, it was going to fester into something ugly. And so I decided early on in my marriage that I was going to tell my wife every time. Because I didn't want to hide anything from her. Not just for, for her or for our relationship, but even just for myself. It's, secrets like that will destroy you. And so I have told her terrible, terrible dreams. She understands that they're just dreams and I didn't choose them. And it's, sometimes it's really hard for her to hear. But we have both actually chosen to do that for each other now. And what's happened in our marriage is, is she doesn't feel scared that I'm going to act on these dreams anymore. She actually just trusts me. She's like, he tells me legit like every time. So if nothing happened, then, or if he's not telling me something, it's because nothing happened. He's already told me like a hundred times. Do you, you see the trust that actually was formed? Not like a separation. Like, man, she's like afraid of me or like afraid to get close to me or whatever. Are afraid that I'm gonna like act on one of these dreams I've had, but she's actually like, no, I I know you. 
I don't feel like you're hiding anything from me. That it's trust. Let me finish with this. How intimately do you want to know God? How intimately you know Him and experience Him is not just you reading your Bible and gaining more knowledge and stuff. It's also letting yourself be known by Him. And there's something that happens when we let ourselves be known by each other that I actually feel known by Him. I can say all day, yeah, He knows me. Sanctified, and He knows me, and like, good. But there's something else, like, when you feel it, when you feel known, like, maybe some of y'all have someone else in the room that knows you. Raise your hand if you got someone in the room that knows you. Yes. You, it feels, you feel it, right? It feels different. So this is sort of silly, but it makes sense, and we're all adults, all right? Are we all adults? I didn't yeah, see you yes. kids. Okay, Anybody else in the room married? Let's go, we got some married people One cool thing about being married is sex. That's great, I love it, really, it's a cool thing, all right? And you guys are, you go, what? Man, I was, I was really hopeful you guys weren't like Tennessee Tech kids. So this, sometimes I say the word sex, and, and the same thing happens. Everyone's like, oh, what did he say? <laughs> whoa, whoa, what? But, but here's the thing, because when, when you hear the music, and you see it on TV, or see it in the movies, you're like, it's totally normal, and you're like, it's cool. You even sing the songs. But when I talk about it in a pure God-designed way, you're like, oh, that's weird. What's up with that? Okay, so I'm going to go back to that real quick. Sex. I love it. Do you know that you cannot, for those of you who are yet to be married, give you some advice. I imagine most, that everyone here in here has a sex drive. I think God made you with that. That's a good thing. When you get married, you, you will not be just, maybe get your help up right you will not be able to get intimate with your spouse unless you take off your clothes. Okay? <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> Intimacy requires nakedness. Okay? Are you hearing me? Does it make sense? We must learn to live transparent lifestyle. It results in the intimacy that we long for with each other and with God. We have to learn to do this for ourselves, to be a part of family, but you'll see, as you do this, you will actually build your family too. People will say to you, man, I've never said this to anybody. Raise your hand if you want someone to tell you that. This semester, this spring, my prayer is that someone will tell each of you I've never told this to anybody. I gotta tell you. Because the freedom that you're gonna see them experience in the next moment is gonna, it's just gonna be so beautiful. And, and that's what the kingdom is all about. Jesus came to set the oppressed free. So many of us are 
oppressed by shame and fear, and it's not worth it. You guys are awesome. Uh, I'm going to pray, and uh, I know that there's another breakout right after this, and so I know I'm talking, I'm talking about some silly stuff at times, and we're laughing, and I'm talking about some heavy stuff too, but I just want to ask you guys, like, if, if there's something that you know that like, you, you really need to let yourself be known with, just let it happen today. Even if you're on your way out the door, if, it's, if, if it just needs to be like a text message to someone else, your small group leader, or your friend, or uh, someone on staff or something, hey, would it be alright if we meet up for 30 minutes at some point today? i got something I want to share with you. And, and maybe they say, how about we meet up whenever we get back from Salt? That's fine. Okay. The point is not that it just happens today. The point is that that we that we act on it. The freedom is worth it, for real. Jesus, I pray that you would use use us, use this group right here, use Chi Alpha to set the world free from shame. There. Are this group right here, we're not the only ones that have done stupid or weird or gross things in our past. It's the whole world. And the world is living in shame. And the freedom that you offer us is, is, is at hand. God, will you use this group right here just through simple telling our own stories, leading other people into freedom and joy, leading people out of prison and out of paralysis, leading people out of shame and into just the awesomeness that is your kingdom and your family. God, I pray for everybody in here that just knows they have something that they want to talk to somebody about. Give them, just give them the peace that they need to walk into those conversations and just be 100% open and real with whoever. And Lord, I pray that uh, just the voice of shame would lose all of its power in our lives. Thank you, God, for, for your freedom. And thank you for chasing after us. Thank you, God, for coming and finding us and saying, where are you? And searching for us and not just waiting for us to get it all together. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> all right, you guys are awesome. Have a great rest of the rest of your time. I think that, yeah, another breakout. And then there's lunch provided. And then you guys will meet with your campuses. You're on campus during lunch. And uh, I think y'all are great. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.